Truth News Network. And the mask comes off. Time Magazine publishes an article with the headline, Trump was right, there was a conspiracy. A well-funded cabal of powerful people changing laws, steering media, and controlling information in order to unseat a popular president. How does this happen in a democratic republic? They said it outright. Steering media, controlling information. But the lies have been revealed. And to sort through them, here is your truth detector, Dan Newman. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pete. You can't talk about January 6th and it possibly being true that the election of 2020, the November 3rd election, was stolen. Maybe we got to whisper it like Joe does. Yeah, yeah, maybe it got stolen. (laughs) I don't know about that. Let me tell you what we do know. There is a whole lot of craziness going on, and just when you think it can't get any greater in noise volume, it gets greater in noise volume, and it continues to grow. It's epic, folks. We have so many things to share with you today. First of all, let me just say this. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Boy, this was really kind of our um, uh, invitation into the winter season in northwest Louisiana. This morning, it was 38 degrees when I got up and hopped on my Harley to go to prayer meeting. 15 minutes each way, 38 degrees. I don't probably need to tell you that when you're going 70 miles an hour, the wind chill in 38 real degrees is way below that, but it was kind of refreshing. You know, I've ridden, I've ridden this motorcycle, this Harley that I have. Uh, I've been up and down the Pacific Ocean border in California, the Atlantic Ocean on the east coast of Florida. Uh, I've been to, um, well, let's see where else I went, up in the Pacific? Yeah, I went up there, but I also went up in the Midwest, South Dakota, And uh, I've been right along the Rio Grande Valley where all the action is, South Texas. Been to Big Bend, which is way southwest Texas. I just love to ride. But I like to ride when it's cool or even cold rather than when it's 105 degrees. I don't care if you're going down the highway at uh, 75 miles an hour. When it's 105, it's hot, folks. The wind blows and it's just a hot wind. But anyway... I guess the biggest takeaway for me this morning riding to church for that prayer meeting at 6 was I had to get gas afterwards. I pulled up to the pump, and normally because I have a Harley, I'll alternate tanks of gas. I'll do regular, and then I'll do premium on alternate tanks. Today was the uh, premium tank supposed to be. I pulled up to the pump. Premium was $3.77 a gallon. So I bet you know what I did. (laughs) I bought regular gas. We're just seeing the edge of this, folks. Jennifer Granholm, Secretary of the Energy, over the weekend on the morning shows around uh, the networks yesterday, she was on one show and she made it very clear. Americans are going to pay a lot more to heat our homes during this winter. Of course, she didn't get into the reasons that we're going to pay that much more, but you and I both know what it is. This administration, from day one of this administration, has handicapped the nation in the way we get our energy and who we get it from. Do you know that we're now buying, as a government, 
were boring, uh, buying more oil every month from Russia than we are getting oil now from Alaska, one of our own states. Why is that? Well, Joe canceled a bunch of the leases that were pending, several of them that were ongoing in Alaska. We can't drill there. We can't produce oil and gas there. He did the same thing with leases all over of federal land that energy companies for generations have been using, acting on, paying the federal government to drill there and paying the federal government royalties. Paying royalties, folks. Who's the federal government? It's you and me. And instead, those folks in D.C., they just laugh about our energy shortage right now. Can you believe in October, a year ago, we were 100% energy independent in the United States. We weren't buying one drop of oil from any foreign country. And now we're up to our eyeballs and obligations to OPEC and to Russia, to Vladimir Putin. Wait a minute, Dan, Donald Trump was the guy that was in the cahoots with Vladimir Putin. Did Trump put this gas and oil deal together for us to buy from Russia? No, he didn't. Donald Trump was the one that uh, put all the policies in place that encouraged and enabled us to become energy independent. The guy that's in the White House now is the one that undid it all. I mean every bit of it. And he did most of it on day one of his presidency. So if it was the other way around, if Joe Biden had been in leadership, the president that made this nation energy independent, and Donald Trump was elected, and on the first day, even the last day of his fourth year in term, he did anything to turn the tides and give all of the production money that we were giving to each other as Americans for what we were producing in energy, our energy companies, and all of a sudden it flipped and it was Russia that was replacing us, those energy companies that are owned by we Americans with Vladimir Putin and Russia, what would the nation do? What would they be saying? That's exactly what Joe Biden did. Of course, there have been incessant accusations from even before the 2016 election that Donald Trump was in Vladimir Putin's pocket. Guess who is in Vladimir Putin's pocket? I'm telling you, when you have a question about anything to do with the leader of this administration, follow the money. Follow the money. And we all know there are financial ties between members of the Biden family, whether they are directly or indirectly benefiting this president. They exist. They are there. We have documentation. The FBI has Hunter Biden's laptop hard drives. We now understand there are two laptop hard drives. And we've seen some of the contents on those hard drives. Besides his uh, very screwy illegal substance abuse and his, um, I, I, I don't even know how to talk about it, but his fetish regard, regarding kinky sex, besides all that, there are email communications back and forth between Hunter Biden and other people, including foreign leaders in other countries. 
They make it very clear. The Biden family syndicate was and is in cahoots with not only big-time leaders in Russia, but the same for the country of China, financial ties. Follow the money. Joe Biden cancels all of those oil leases, shut down the XL pipeline. We've got a story today to tell you that they're contemplating shutting down another pipeline. Why would this administration do that? They do it in the name of climate change, but you and I both know they think we're stupid. They think we don't get it. We get it, folks. We get it. We understand. This administration is all about grabbing, holding on, and trying their best to make permanent control of everything in our lives. They want our government to be in control of everything. This freedom for all, this liberty and justice for all, this right to achieve, the indelible right that we have to pursue everything and anything we choose to pursue, they don't like that. They want to take it back, and they've got a good start on it. I think I think the die is cast. I believe they understand, the Democrats do. They're going to lose control of the House and the Senate in 2022, and unless things turn around very quickly, it's very likely they're going to use the, lose the White House too in 2024. So what are they doing? Making hay while the sun shines. They tried all these things. They found out hey, we can do this. We can scare the American people to death and keep them locked down, keep them dependent upon the government by giving them all the stimulus money, doubling and tripling down on these unemployment federal checks, making them understand if they don't go to work, hey, we're going to take care of them. And they're showing us how they're going to take care of people that don't deserve what they're getting but they're getting it just because big government can do it. Who am I talking about? Two million illegals have come into the nation on this president's watch illegally. Those are the ones we know about. And folks, the number, the latest number on the benefits, the economic benefits that this administration is giving to all of those illegals, it averages $42,000 a person. That's the dollar value of what we're giving them. Now, let me ask you this. Um, if you were single and uh, you were, you know, you were kind of disenfranchised with your job, where you lived, you wanted to, you know, branch out, try something new. And you knew that you could just go a few miles away, maybe even a couple of hundred miles away and go into this place where once you get in there, they're just going to give you in total cash and benefits, forty-two dollars to $45,000 worth of benefits. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't think that would be enticing to you to do? Now, I'm not saying all of these people that are rushing to our southern border fall into that category, but I guarantee you a large number do. And $42,000 by government, non-taxed, a year, is pretty attractive to people that live in countries where they have to work their butts off year long to make twelve to fifteen thousand dollars and try to support a family. 
And a lot of those people are coming here for an opportunity to do just that, to better their lives, better the lives of their families, give their families more security, getting them away from a lot of illegal activity. I get that. I get that. But guess what? There's a way to do that that is legal. There's a way to do it that is fairly for everybody in that process, both those that want to come and those of us that are here legally. What about the millions? One million a year for decades have legally immigrated into the United States. They've done it the right way. They've done it legally, and they've earned the opportunity that Joe Biden has given two million people that just thumb their noses at the rule of law. You know that thing that makes this and keeps this the number one country on the planet? He just ignores it. Doesn't care. Yet he took an oath of office, and the number one thing he gave an oath to do is to make sure the rule of law stays in place and that he, as the number one law enforcement officer in the nation, he's the boss. He'll see to it that it's done. And then he just tells his Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, hey, ignore all that criminal activity that's going on at the southern border. Why? Because I said so. And a whole political party, entire, top to bottom, or suborning his doing that over and over and over again. So what are we going to dig into this morning? I finished my little soliloquy there. We're going to get right back into some of that. And of course, this big legislation that happened the end of last week too. But something else is bubbling out there that I wanted to touch base with you on this morning. I'm one of a bunch of um, not scientists and not doctors who have spent a considerable amount of time the last couple of years trying to get to the bottom of the actual ingredients in these new COVID-19 vaccines. Just to be completely honest with you, um, typically, historically, if you wanted to know what was in a drug, a medication, you could go to their website, just Google it, go to the website, and go to On the website, they always have information about the medication, including potential side effects, etc. Tried to do that with Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson. And they don't publish what's in the contents. Now, you would think that, you know, there's the requirement when you buy a medication, there is a list of ingredients. Well, they're there for all three of those. But they don't go into all of the contents. I wonder why they did that. So um, let me ask you this. You would think with this curiosity that is shared by, I, I guess, millions of doctors, physicians, medical experts around the world, you would think the big pharma companies would want to submit their vaccines to some independent laboratories for independent nonpartisan analysis. So everybody, all the humans here and in other countries around the world would know what they were putting into their bodies, right? They won't do that. They haven't done it. So do you think based on that, the big pharma companies want to disclose all the ingredients? Certainly not. 
Do the big pharma companies have any liability for lying to the public about the proprietary ingredients in their vaccines? In uh, normal circumstances, a big pharmacy company would have amazing amounts of liability. Those three companies, they have zero liability. Now, in case you haven't stayed caught up on all this kind of stuff, let me talk to you. You already may realize this, but the reason Pfizer's BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine today remains in EUA status, which means emergency use authorization status. Do you know why it's still in EUA? It's to protect the mothership, Pfizer Corporation. Protect Pfizer from what? Any medication or medical treatment that the FDA approves for use among the public in that status, emergency use authorization only. When they approve that, they're stamping their approval on it. It means that the federal government indemnifies any of these big pharma companies for any liability for anything that occurs in the use of these medications and or treatments among the public. That means, folks, American taxpayers, you and me, are 100% on the hook for any liabilities that are incurred. I know, I know. You're probably screaming at your computer screen or your iPhone. The mainstream media trumpeted for two months now the FDA fully approved Pfizer's vaccine for use in the public. That is not the truth. And that is not what happened. What the mainstream media failed to report, and they failed to do so purposely, is that Pfizer has another vaccine for COVID-19. Its name is, and I'm going to spell it so you can go look it up, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, Comirnaty, which is not even in distribution in the U.S., and it's unavailable for the general public. So when the FDA put out the notification about Pfizer's vaccine being fully approved now, it said, and we read it to you and published it here at truthnewsnet.org, it said, this applies only to Comirnaty, BioNTech, the original Pfizer vaccine, the number one that's been used more than any other, BioNTech, remains in EUA status. Why is that such a big deal? Well, what they wanted to happen really did happen. When the announcement came out, nobody read the fine print, and so people said, finally, Pfizer's vaccine is approved. Millions of people, millions more, went ahead and went and got the jab. It's okay. It's safe. The federal government said so. Uh Uh-uh. That's not what happened. It was bait and switch. My next-door neighbor today has a young son who works for the federal government in Utah. And he did his own research before he would agree to get vaccinated because He works for the Defense Department, a contractor. Joe Biden said they're going to have to be vaxxed to do business with the federal government. So he gets on the phone. He lives in a big city in Utah. It doesn't take long for you or me to determine what 
place he lives, it's Salt Lake City. And they've got everything there. Pharma, pharmacy, uh, everything to do with pharmacy in the state of Utah is really big. It's very progressive. It's very forward thinking. You can't find Comer Nady anywhere in Utah. In fact, he said most of the places he reached out to, um, places that were giving the shots, they never even heard of it. So what happened, folks, is Pfizer has kept jabbing Americans with BioNTech, their vaccine, and that is the number one source of horrible adverse reactions to a vaccine. The number one. And speaking of adverse effects, adverse events from vaccinations, let me give you the numbers. Through October 29th, here's the VAERS COVID vaccine adverse event reports taken directly from the CDC website. Total deaths, 18,078. Now, this is since January of this year. People who have taken vaccinations have died and these are the numbers that have been directly tied to vaccines, adverse reactions to the vaccines, not to COVID-19. And according to the CDC, these numbers aren't totally true because they anticipate they're going to be the real numbers between 50% and 100% more than this number because not everybody reports every adverse event death. 18,078 deaths, 88,910 hospitalizations, 95,954 urgent care, 133,973 doctor office visits, anaphylaxis, 7,844 cases, Bell's palsy, 10,721, 2,800 miscarriages, 8,800 heart attacks, 11,449 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, 28,112 Americans permanently disabled, 20,111 life-threatening reactions, 32,851 severe allergic reactions, even 10,000 cases of the shingles. 80% of these adverse reactions, and more than that, of the deaths reported came in the lives of those who took the BioNTech vaccination. And guess what? Pfizer's not obligated, not responsible in any way for any liability for one of those 18,078 deaths that came at the hands of their vaccine. Now, these are facts, folks. I know you may not like it. But these are facts. Back to the real story today. It's regarding Big Pharma's resistance to letting any of us know the full list of all the ingredients in their vaccines. And we're throwing all three of them in there, Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J. The other obvious unasked question by the media is, why not let independent laboratories investigate those vaccines for their contents? As it turns out, a leaked copy of the contract that Pfizer uses in selling foreign nations these vaccines. A leaked copy of that contract shows exactly how serious are these pharmacy companies 
to shroud in secrecy what's inside their vaccines. So I'm going to pull a piece from the agreement that exposes Big Pharma's purposes, but lists the link to the contract between Pfizer and Albania, a country they're selling BioNTech to. Here's what it says. Big Pharma has allegedly forced other nations to indemnify Big Pharma from any liability for any adverse effect that happens to anyone administered these vaccines. That's the identical protection given to Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson by the feds by way of keeping BioNTech, Moderna's and Johnson & Johnson's vaccines in that emergency use authorization only status. One thing is certain. Big Pharma is not standing behind these products. They're totally, all of them, still experimental and untested and so forth. So why are the world's governments so hell-bent on injecting their citizens with this stuff? The best way for anybody to get answers to the contents of pharmaceutical products is to research every public record available that might give some, if not all, of these answers. So what's the first such source that comes to mind? They're all patented, right? The U.S. patent information is online, it's free, and anybody can go look it up. So let's take a peek at Moderna. On Moderna's patent page, Patent U.S., number 10,703,789. In one section of their application, it reveals a whole bunch of ingredients of their COVID-19 vaccine, Moderna's. Among those ingredients, the name of one stands out, and I'm going to spell it to you. L-U-C-I-F-E-R-A-S-E. Luciferase. Now, I have no idea what luciferase is, But the name itself carries some very ominous connotations simply because of its root word, Lucifer. That's first seen in history as God's name for Lucifer or Satan. But let's don't be biblical heretics here. Let's get a Webster's definition of Luciferase. Luciferase is a generic term for the class of oxidative enzymes that produce bioluminescence and is usually distinguished from a photoprotein. The name was first used by Raphael Dubois, who invented the words luciferin and luciferase for the substrate and enzyme respectively. Both words are derived from the Latin word lucifer, meaning light bearer, which in turn is derived from the Latin words for light, lux, and to bring or carry fairy. So what is luciferase? Luciferase is an enzyme that can produce bioluminescence. In other words, it can make things glow. That's why luciferase is commonly used in the biomedical industry. It's used to tag very little bitty things like cells or proteins so that you can track them. It tags things so you can track them. So was luciferase listed as an ingredient in the COVID vaccines by Big Pharma on the insert that goes into the bottle that they use when they inject you? No, it's not. And in the story, this story, I put a hyperlink in there that you can go and use 
and check at the CDC website. It's not mentioned. So the next question becomes, why would Big Pharma not disclose that luciferase is an ingredient in their vaccine since it's clearly listed in at least one patent from one company as being involved and in luciferase is in Moderna's vaccine? The reason? It's rather ominous. Big Pharma has big plans for luciferase and big government has big plans for it too. Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. The U.S. military's technology arm, DARPA, D-A-R-P-A, that stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. DARPA is currently fighting a legal war with Moderna over the ownership of the COVID vaccine because DARPA has funded an implantable biochip that could be used to deploy a vaccine. Did you get that? The U.S. military's technology arm DARPA is currently fighting with Moderna in court over the ownership of the COVID vaccine because DARPA has funded an implantable biochip that could be used to deploy a vaccine. Despite this, however, one obstacle to the deployment of Moderna's vaccine is the method of delivery. While Moderna is developing its own system, it's unlikely to get FDA approval anytime soon. Enter Profusa, which is developing a nanoscale biochip that can detect symptoms of an infection. Profusa's biochip is made using a technology called hydrogels that were a product of the Envivo nano platforms called IVN program that DARPA's Biological Technologies Office launched in 2014 to develop implantable nanotechnologies. Stay with me for a minute. Don't get lost in the weeds. These hydrogels are soft, flexible nanomachines that are injected beneath the skin to perform monitoring. This hydrogel includes a specially engineered molecule that sends, here we go, a fluorescent signal outside the body when it begins to fight infection. This signal can then be detected by a sensor attached to the skin that can then be sent to an app or even to a doctor's website? So why is the U.S. military working with vaccine companies to create microchips, that's hydrogel or nanotech, that will send a fluorescent signal, that's luciferase, detectable by an app on your smartphone? When did DARPA get involved in public health policy? That strange question leads to other strange questions like why did the Pentagon fund the Wuhan lab of virology to quote-unquote study weaponizing bat coronaviruses? Neither DARPA nor the Pentagon is well known for being leaders in healthcare, to say the very least. 
In fact, big pharma and big government have big plans for future vaccine shots that have dissolvable needles and quantum dot tattoos, along with other amazing technology like embedding vaccine records beneath the skin of your children with invisible ink. According to one article, quote, along with a vaccine, a child would be injected with a bit of dye that is invisible to the naked eye, but easily seen with a special cell phone filter combined with an app that shines near infrared light onto the skin. That article was written in 2019, right before the COVID crisis. That leads to another thought. COVID-19 seems to be a very convenient accidental lab leak from China for the introduction of new technology. Under the cover of vaccinating people, it appears that we are really, really preparing to tag and track each other. The once free nations of the West are actually testing a new authoritarian system of total control under the guise of public health. Just look at Australia or New Zealand or Canada or Italy to see how basic civil rights have been suspended indefinitely and a pseudo-medical tyranny has been installed in its place. If you want to call it this, the Great Reset is being implemented with the lie that it's all about protecting your health. Our military and intelligence agencies are not confronting China. They're copying China. A totalitarian nightmare is being imported into free countries through surveillance technologies. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to understand that such technology can easily be used to build a global surveillance state. The vaccine mandates have already led to vaccine passports. The vaccine passports are basically QR codes to track you by connecting to your smartphone. This will inevitably lead very soon to biometric ID embedded into your body. You won't be able to enter restaurants or buy groceries or go to work without it. As the Bible says, no one will be able to buy or sell anything except those that have the mark. You will know the mark by its name, which is the name of the beast, the enemy of all mankind, who, before he fell, was an angel of light named Lucifer. That's why Luciferase should send a chill down your spine. So what's happening with this? This, this, this is really going to blow your mind if you didn't already know about this. Though this information has been shared a bunch of times in part over the last year or more, a woman named Emerald Robinson of Newsmax, she's the network's White House reporter, after she confirmed the above information, she decided to post a tweet on her Twitter account sharing this news. And here's what it said. Dear Christians, the vaccines contain a bioluminescent marker called luciferase so that you can be tracked. Read the last book of the New Testament to see how this ends. This one tweet, her tweet, was sufficient to get the word luciferase trending on Twitter 
The Washington Post ran a piece on the tweet in which Robinson was branded a COVID conspiracy theorist. The Daily Beast ran two stories, said the same thing. Other news outlets did the same. Even Forbes got involved. Real journalists know that big news is big only when it's fresh news. A handful of medical professionals more than a year ago mentioned luciferase was a possible content of at least one of the vaccines, but this revelation was little more than in a cursory question. When Robinson tweeted the revelation and it went viral, big tech and their paid operatives, mainstream media, were forced to take action. So most of the anti-conservative media outlets around the world took to publishing diminishing revelations about the story. Here's the bell ringer in this 24-7 instant media news world. When corporate media outlets around the English-speaking world all begin to scream in such obvious coordinated fashions, it's certain that someone struck a nerve. And in this case, it's obvious, folks. Emerald Robinson of Newsmax did just that when she tweeted about luciferase. I want you to think about something. Have you ever wondered how much money Big Pharma pays to mainstream media outlets to advertise their pharmaceuticals and treatments? How many ads do you watch on television where you see all these neat things and these neat people and they're talking about a drug that has just rapidly changed their lives and it saved them from lives of desperation, even death? A 30-second spot, the last 20 seconds of it are disclaimers about potential side effects. All of those ads and the money, they add up to billions of advertising dollars. And these big pharma companies are paying that to all these media outlets. Do you think that someone at Moderna, when this story broke, probably reached out to members of the mainstream media to instigate some egregious and hasty pushback against this news? I got a couple of other questions that came to mind. Why isn't ex-Pfizer chief scientist Dr. Michael Yadin allowed to speak? He's under a gag order. He can't talk to anybody about Pfizer or anything to do with COVID-19 or BioNTech or Comirnaty. How is it possible that the inventor of mRNA vaccines himself, Dr. Robert Malone, is not a household name around the world. Most people, if you say Dr. Robert Malone and you say he invented mRNA, they just look at you like, who's he? How many thousands have been banned or suspended already by big tech for questioning the COVID vaccines in our supposedly free nation? How many of our civil rights, our constitutional rights, can they trample before our very eyes. I'm beginning to think every day more and more, we are no longer a constitutional republic. It's more like a corporate oligarchy where big pharma and big tech and big government tell you every day what you're allowed to do on Zoom calls from the CDC with Dr. Fauci or in a Q&A in a White House press briefing. They're not even pretending anymore. 
Am I the only one that every once in a while steps back to view the landscape of the nation as it has morphed in the last 18 months, especially in the way big government has so obviously jumped into the lives of Americans in ways we've never seen before? It's time we all face facts. We're long past the explanations we've given those who are our family members, our fellow employees, our friends with which we associate constantly, and each other that say, we're just in the midst of a never-before-experienced pandemic at the hands of the most vicious virus ever in the U.S. Our government and healthcare officials are just going a bit overboard to make sure we're safe from a health catastrophe. Folks, we heard that for months and months and months, and it's worn really ragged. If that was ever all or just part of the reasoning for all this, it's long over. We're watching a takeover of our lives by our government and whoever else is helping to drive the boat with our politicians. Who can say who's in control of all this? I doubt if it's President Biden. He struggles more and more each day to complete a coherent sentence, let alone handle the issues of our nation. And maybe it's not just one or two people, but it's certainly not those who we watch on the news shows every night. It's hard to even mention the content in today's story. Why? Because when you do, many will immediately brand you as a conspiracy theorist or even worse, a nut job. And who wants that title? Do you know how long it took for me to finally say, okay, I'm going to write this and we're going to publish this story? I don't want people to think we're crazy, that I'm a nut job. No matter who, no matter what, no matter why, there's one thing we know for certain. Not knowing these details does not mean There are not many egregious and sinister players and plays underway in our lives which we're kept from knowing about. There's something happening to cause this obvious concerted effort to divide and keep divided the citizens of the U.S. Oh, there's power and division, and it's being used. What I'm waiting for is to see the next big move of power from which I hope we learn the identities of those calling the shots today. And i got to be honest with you, even when that happens, and I'm sure it's going to happen, when it happens, I'm I'm not confident that I want to know who the players are. I'm serious, folks. We are in deep trouble. And we're going to get into a little bit more of it in other areas as we move forward this morning. Again, it's Monday. Life went on over the weekend. (laughs) There were no vacationers, not in government. They were in full speed ahead. The Sunday news stories, news shows, they were full of everything about the infrastructure bill and the pending debacle of all debacles for generations that's pending. And they're calling it the Build Back Better Bill. We're going to talk about all that and a lot more. And, of course, we want you to join the conversation anytime. Grab your phone. Call us toll-free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Back after this. 
Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. That's Chicago, 25 or 64. That was the contemporary version of it. I think I kind of like the original one better, 25 or 64. To this day, I can't tell you what the song title means. I've heard a thousand different explanations of 25 or 6 to 4, what it means. And uh, I don't. I, I think they basically just uh, used made up something to use to uh, make a, a song sound... Um, Interesting, more interesting than it was. Of course, it was a massive hit, still is. Hey, before we get into the infrastructure bill, 2,300 pages, my friend and a pair here at Truth News Network, TNN Live, Steve Scalise, the, uh, the number two man in the House of Representatives for the Republican Party, he ripped, he tore apart the Democrats' 2,300-page, $1.8 trillion infrastructure investments in Job Act before this thing got voted on I uh, we're gonna we're gonna listen to a little bit actually I don't think we'll take the time to hear the whole thing what he had to say I'm going to give you some of his content there but before we get away from what we were talking about in the opening do you know who Jim Caviezel is he's an actor um, you know who he is you see him on some really interesting shows but he's known best for playing Jesus Christ and uh, The Passion of the Christ, that was Mel Gibson's movie that came out, I guess, 15 years ago. It's, it's the all-time biggest grossing movie anywhere in the world, all rolled in. It was incredible. Well, 
He was talking about a new movie. Uh, he was on Fox last week talking about a new movie that is in, they're through with production. It's, uh, it's actually just about to open up. And uh, Pete Hegseth was talking with Jim Caviezel about Christians in standing up to all of this stuff that's happening. Listen to this back and forth. And at the end of the bit, I want you to listen. Jim Caviezel actually relates something that Ronald Reagan spoke that resonated with Jim Caviezel. And it really resonated with me because I remember when Reagan said this and how it changed my thinking. Here's Pete Hegseth and Jim Caviezel. Jim, why are Christians not standing up in this moment? There is historic persecution, as you've mentioned, of Christians around the globe, uh, shrinking uh, measures here at home. Uh, is there a problem inside Christianity uh, in engaging in the world today? This is the fear factor, you know, but Jesus says, you know, do not be afraid, I go before you always. Um, and that was a big part of when I got to do the Passion of the Christ and the uh, understanding that, you know, I, at one point when I was struck by lightning and, and I had to have two heart surgeries, open heart as well, um, that it w could cost me my life. But I knew that that was the whole message of the Gospels when Peter and Paul and, and especially when I was reading Paul's uh, letters in the, to the Romans, it moved me so much that here this man knows he's going to be butchered by the Romans, but he stood up. And I said, may God, may, in this time that I could do what you need me to do and lead as many people back to you. And I took that into the performance of Infidel. That was important. It had to be a part of that. And so when Cyrus Norristad brought me this script, uh, I thought this is these are the times uh, that we're living in that, that we have to start standing up and uh, so I can do my little bit with that movie but always the intention to bring souls back to Jesus. Hmm. I can hear the passion in your voice. Uh, one other topic you wanted to touch on was Ronald Reagan gave a speech, a time for choosing speech in 1964 and he said you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. What can Americans learn from Ronald Reagan? What are your What are your uh, thoughts on that at this moment in time? Yes, he's. That's right. He said that, and he said now. Also, he said now. Let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war, and someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within, spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better read than dead, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. because. 
because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance and the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all, that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond wow. which evil must yeah. not advance. In the words of Jim, Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Thank you so much for that insight and congratulations on the powerful film, Infidel. Thank you. All right, still ahead, the world mourning the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We reflect on her life. Wow. Was that an amazing back and forth between Pete Hegseth of Fox News and Jim Caviezel? It's in uh, preparation of the movie coming out, Infidel. But the words of Ronald Reagan from 1964 that I heard again 20-plus years later, when he was president of the United States. It was played over and over and over again. It was actually, during the run-up to his first presidency, first term, it was played in uh, the campaign from the other side as a derogatory thing for Reagan. <laughs> That's when they, the far left were trying to beat him. And, of course, he served two terms in office and was the most independent, most American, all-in for the United States people until Donald Trump, of all the presidents put together. He was a great, great man, had a great philosophy about freedom. And he watched and he warned, as so many others have, about what we are looking right down the gullet of today here in the United States. Massive government seizure of our rights. And if you think about that, it's very, very scary. But we can't let fear drive the boat. We can't do it because it's really difficult to make good decisions when you're scared to death. And boy, there have been a lot of big decisions made in the last weeks with more to come. This $1.8 trillion spending bill that was voted in was approved in the House. It had already been approved in the U.S. Senate, and it's on... Uh, Biden's desk, I imagine there'll be a big ceremony when he signs it into law. Steve Scalise from South Louisiana, he ripped through that 2,300-page, dollar infrastructure bill before the vote by the entire House of Representatives on Friday night. In this bill, he said, Dems are trying to ram through mass amnesty 87,000 new IRS agents, a bunch of insane leftist mandates, giveaways to unions and to union bosses, natural gas taxes that will raise energy costs immediately. It's a socialist takeover of America, he said. No wonder we're doing it in the dark of night. He began his speech by saying this, I rise in strong opposition to the rule, but specifically against this massive multi-trillion dollar tax and spend bill. Of course, we just got the text last night, over 2,300 pages, and as we've been combing through, I'd like to point out a few pieces in this bill. 
He promises anyone that makes, Biden did, less than $400,000 a year won't spend a dime, will not pay a dime in new taxes. The only problem is he breaks the promise in this bill, a tax that, according to the American Gas Association, will increase household electricity rates by 30%. The bill included amnesty for millions of illegal immigrants in the country. He highlighted the timing of this bill with the news that Biden's administration intends to give those illegal immigrants $450,000. Estimates are 7 million more people. Can you imagine the flood that will come over when they hear you can get a half a million dollars a person if Biden gets his way? When reports surfaced that the administration was planning to give reparations for illegal immigrants, Biden said that's not going to happen. However, his own White House walked back his comments by saying the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the U.S. government. That was Deputy Press Secretary Karen Jean Pierre on Thursday. Next, Scalise highlighted the provision in the text that's going to add those 87,000 more IRS agents. He said it's an army of IRS, IRS agents that are going to comb through your bank accounts. They're going to be combing through your bank account. And why? Because they've got to generate hundreds of billions of dollars to spend on more inflation-inducing spending. Despite the Democrat claims that this bill is going to cost zero, Scalise pointed out that the true cost is about $5.5 trillion. According to the Penn Wharton account, you're going to have over $4 trillion of spending with $1.5 trillion of new taxes. By the way, that's $2.5 trillion of additional debt, even though the president says there's no cost, no cost, just $2.5 trillion of debt. He ended his floor speech by attacking the Democrats for voting on the bill at such a late hour Friday night. But these IRS agents are going to have to account for over $200 billion to find money from your checking accounts. That's what they're trying to do at the dark of night. We started the morning at 8 a.m. We're here after 9 p.m. starting to get into the details of this bill. No wonder they don't want a CBO score. No wonder they want to do this in the dark of night. This is going to induce more inflation that's hurting families all across America right now. And so they passed the bill. They passed it. Late Friday night, the vote was 228 to 206. And the 228 folks, that was not all Democrats. It included 13 Republicans that went across the aisle and voted with Nancy Pelosi. 13 Republicans. 13 Republicans. There were six Democrats that voted against their own bill. It's going to be interesting to see how this falls out next year in the 2022 election. But let me tell you what's in the near sight. Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, she's been laughing all weekend, laughing at the fact that Americans don't understand the price of energy is going up, that we're just supposed to suck it up. That's what you do. They're doing all of this in the name of climate change, whatever the heck climate change is. 
it, I, I can't get past the fact that there are actually intelligent adults, not just here in the United States, but around the world, who honestly believe that we can change the weather, that we, I mean humans, we have the actual ability to change our climate. Now, when this all first started, it was pollution control. I'm all in for that. I mean, I think our water needs to be clean. I think we need to be careful how we process garbage and trash. I think we not, we, we've got to stop using plastics for containers and find um, biologically degradable stuff to, that will replace those things. I get all of that. I'm for it. Do you know there's not another country on the planet that has reduced their carbon footprint year after year after year, consistently. And nobody, to the extent as this nation has, the United States has led the way. How many countries are there on the planet? You can't get an accurate number. The numbers that I've seen, they begin on the low side at 190. I've seen numbers as high as 220. These people actually believe that a entity, whoever that would be, is going to have the ability to bring every one of those countries in line regarding the legality and the agreements for climate change. The biggest climate tyrant on the planet is one of our biggest foes, and they don't give a rip about our government. They, they came out last week and basically laughed at the Biden administration and laughed at the president saying, he can't get anything done. They certainly, they're the biggest polluter on the planet. They're not even going to think about adopting any of this. And of course, they didn't participate in that huge summit that Biden went to last week and made an ass of himself if he wasn't already viewed in that light by many of the leaders that were there. Putin wasn't there. Nobody from Russia was there. Xi Jinping wasn't there. Nobody from China was there. They just watched, looked in, and laughed. I don't have answers for a lot of this stuff, folks. I don't think anybody does. What we've got to do is just make sure we continue to look at and examine the facts. And with facts, we can at least make some thoughts and plans based on what we know about how we move forward. Now, let me just tell you this. Truth News Network, TNN Live, all of our listeners, our readers from around the world, we're not the only people, not the only people that are upset about this looking for answers all the time. And we certainly are not the only people that think this president is failing in his job. His job approval, it keeps sinking. It's now down to 37.8% according to the latest USA Today Suffolk University poll. This sharp turn against the sitting president, it comes as the Republicans have taken a commanding lead in guess what? The 2022 generic congressional ballot. A strong majority of 59% of Americans disapprove of Biden. 37.8% approve of his job performance. 3.2% are still undecided. Biden's crash in his support among the people, according to USA Today's article accompanying the release of the polling, comes in large 
because he cratered among the independent voters who delivered his margin of victory over Trump a year ago. Independents by a 7-to-1 margin believe Biden has done a worse job than they thought he was going to do. 7-to-1. Nearly half of those in the poll, 46%, say Biden has done a worse job as president than they thought, including 16% of those who voted for him. Independents by 7-to-1, 44% to 6% say he's done worse, not better than what they thought he would do. Republicans now have a dominant eight-point lead in the looming midterm elections as well, as 46% of survey respondents say they're going to vote for a Republican, 38%, only 38%, they're going to back a Democrat in whatever race we're talking about. If the election were today, those that participated in this poll say they would vote for their Republican congressional candidates over the Democratic ones by 46 to 38%, an advantage that would bode really well for GOP hopes of gaining a majority again in the House and the Senate. In a president's first midterm election, his party usually loses ground. This time, the GOP needs to flip just five seats in the House and just one in the Senate to gain control of the House and the Senate. What's more, Donald Trump now leads Biden in a hypothetical 2024 matchup. If the election were today between Biden and Trump, 44% say they would vote for Trump, just 40 for Biden, 11 for an unnamed third-party candidate. In the election last year, Biden beat Trump 54 to 47%. This comes as a commanding majority of Americans, including a big number of Democrats, hope Biden doesn't run again in 2024. These are all facts, folks. These are all facts. I mean, not just today. He's in the tank, 37.8%. That's all he's got in support. 59% are dead set against him. And as the poll said, that generic ballot for 2022 midterms, Republicans win. Biden loses. Anybody else loses that he's supporting right now in the midterm elections. Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio. I really like Jim. He's a very, very stormy guy. And um, yesterday on Maria Bartiromo's show, early morning uh, Sunday show, Jim got on there and he and Maria began to break down exactly what's going on and what the Republicans are up to. Listen to this takeaway between Jim Jordan and Maria Bartiromo. Can you give us an update on the spending blitz? Obviously, your your colleagues uh, in the GOP bailed out Biden on Friday night. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I wish they had not voted that way because, as, as you point out, six of the hard left uh, voted against it. We could have we could have stopped the legislation. And as we've known now for months, they're actually linked. So the big spending or the bigger spending, uh, the crazy spending is coming here uh, soon. Uh, we'll just hope that that Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema uh, hold firm and don't pass it because it's only going to create more harm for the country, more, I think, supply chain delays, more inflation. Um, 
I mean, Maria, think about the Democrats' economic plan. It's basically lock down your economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work. And then for everyone who has been working, they're getting ready to raise your taxes and pay $450,000 to people who illegally crossed our border and entered our country. Such a deal for the taxpayer. But that's what's coming. And let's hope that Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema hold strong and they don't pass it. Well, it's all a very extraordinary, Congressman. We're looking at a list of what's in the infrastructure package, and we're told that it's only 9 or 10 percent infrastructure. So I don't know what your, yeah. your colleagues were thinking. Uh, you also have this uh, situation of uh, Nancy Pelosi, you know, uh, fattening up the social spending plan, despite what we saw last week. You had a red wave from everywhere from parts of New York to New Jersey uh, to obviously Virginia, Seattle, Minneapolis. Yep. They, they struck down the defund the police. Is Nancy Pelosi not seeing what the voters are telling her? One thing about Democrats is they just keep going. No matter what the voters say, they just keep doing yeah. their crazy radical uh, agenda. And it, it's why Joe Biden's at 38 percent approval rating, because he, everything they've touched has been a mess. We went from a secure border to chaos. Yeah. We went from energy independence to the president begging OPEC to increase production. We went from safe streets to crime going up in every major urban area. We went from stable pricing to record inflation and supply chain delays. So, I mean, it's, it's all a mess, but they don't care. That's what because the, the, they're the hard yeah. left and they just keep going in, in the direction they are. Um, the voters spoke up loud and clear, and God bless them on Tuesday. Turns out, turns out the American people don't really like defunding the police and don't like government saying that they're smarter than parents. So uh, Tuesday night was a big win for America, but the Democrats in Congress, they're just going to continue their crazy left agenda. And as I said before, unless Senator Sinema and Senator Manchin hold strong and we don't get this ridiculous energy spending and ridiculous tax increases that are contained in this next bill. There is a next bill. There's always a next bill when you're dealing with Democrats, and there are always a next bill that has to do with more government spending. You know, it was interesting over the weekend. Joe, I guess he had to come out, had to make a bunch of speeches, maybe not a bunch, but a few, and he, um, he was taking victory laps. But in one of those questions and conversations that happened, he, uh, he really showed what his substance is all about. The collective ability of we Americans to fully appreciate global supply chain issues. He called it into question. Our ability to understand it. He asked when he was asked if they'd understand the topic and cut through the main issues in the same way that he does. So it came in a news conference as he answered a question from a reporter on criticism that he got from Representative Abigail Spanberger, who's a Democrat in Virginia. Spanberger said this, nobody elected him, talking about Joe Biden, to be FDR. They elected him to be normal and to stop the chaos. And here's what Biden said when he was asked about her slam at him. I don't intend to be anybody but Joe Biden. That's who I am. What I'm trying to do is do the things I ran on to do. And look, people out there are ordinary, hardworking Americans who have been put through the ringer the last couple of years. He viewed the problem through the prism of the price of agricultural goods to amplify his point. People are worried, he said, questioning if people understand why the price of agricultural products has increased. If we were all going out and having lunch together and I said, 
Let's ask whoever's in the next table, no matter what restaurant we're in, have them explain the supply chain to us. Do you think they'd understand what we're talking about? Biden asked. He was clearly animated by the topic at hand. They're smart people, the president offered. But he concluded the current crisis was a part of a complicated world. We've never faced anything like this, Biden added, saying how easy it is to understand why people are upset. Whether you have a Ph.D. or you're working in a restaurant, it's confusing. And so people are understandably worried. He promised to try and explain to the American people what supply chain issues Americans face, telling the attending press representative who write for a living he has yet to witness a reporter explain supply chain very well. This is a confusing time, he stated. So his transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, affirmed earlier in the week the country would have to further tackle the COVID pandemic in order for supply chain issues to subside. Look, there are so many things that are still happening in our economy, he said. This is Buttigieg. Distortions, disruptions, things in our supply chain that are affecting prices that are clearly a direct consequence of the pandemic. He said that on Chris Wallace's Fox News Sunday. That's why the best thing we can do for our economy in the short term and to deal with these transitory issues is to put the pandemic behind us. There's a huge common thread that flows through all of these things. What Biden said Saturday, what Buttigieg said yesterday, what Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said all weekend long, nobody in this administration will take accountability for anything, anything. Joe Biden in his political career has never taken accountability for anything bad that he initiated or he and his compadre Barack Obama put on the American people during their eight years as president, vice president, and then through his 150 years before that as a U.S. senator. I don't know how long he was in the Senate, 40 years. He was there forever. He backed a whole lot of things that were just stupid, crazy, stupid things. Former CIA director, FBI director, defense secretary under numerous presidents, Bob Gates, talking about Joe Biden. This is years ago. Bob Gates said every foreign policy decision that Joe Biden has ever made, every single one, was wrong. So how does he function in all of this? There's only one way to do it. The far left, and he now has moved after his campaign, right before his inauguration, folks, if you think that's when this happened, you're smoking something that's illegal. <laughs> he moved even further left. He's not a moderate. He's not a progressive. Nothing about the progressives in this U.S. Democrat Party is progressive, folks. None of it is. I don't know how they got their name in the beginning, the Democrat Party. They liked the name change, and they tried to change it formally to the Democratic Party. I will never refer to them as the Democratic Party because Democratic means they support the Democratic process. They do not. They want to take the people out of that equation and just call it the Democrat, which will stand for Democrat hardcore leftist leaders. 
The common thread is they refuse accountability for anything bad that happens. I can tell you the supply chain issues that are happening now are happening now and continue to exacerbate, get worse, because this guy, when he took his oath of office, he didn't touch the supply chain issues when he could have in the very beginning of this, it would have taken a while, but you got to sit down with those that are in charge of every element, every part of the process of the supply chain, find out exactly what's going on, then do a big wide sweep to get all of the options that are available to fix the problems, then find those who can make the fixes happen, and then find somebody else to make sure that when they're implemented, the people that are doing the work have all the resources they need to get it done. And then another step, hold them accountable for results. He hasn't the capability to do even one of those things. And Peter Jug, what the heck has he done? The mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and the people in South Bend despise him. I heard a, an interview with a bunch of people, and the common thread was he couldn't even get potholes fixed in the streets in downtown South Bend. And he's the United States Transportation Secretary now. There is no real leader in the Biden administration. Not one. And he didn't put those people in, folks. Somebody else is pulling the strings, was back then, and is still pulling the strings. Who's calling the shots? No idea. We're going to find out someday. We are. And when we do, we may be shocked. Maybe not so much shocked by who it is. He, she, they. But that it's being allowed. And we're going to be shocked to find out just how powerful they are. And how intrusive they have been in our lives. Both you and me and every other American. That's coming. And we're living it right now. Want to get in touch with Dan? Go to truthnewsnet.org. More truth after this. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN.
the Truth News Network. I forgot to tell you going into the show today, I got a phone call after our show on Friday from an attorney named Shelly Maturin, M-A-T-U-R-I-N. Shelly's a guy. He is from my hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana. But um, the reason for the hookup, you may remember this name, Jennifer Ravane. Jennifer Ravane is the mother of that high school student at East Jeff, East Jefferson High School down in New Orleans, whose 16-year-old son, you're still a minor when you're 16 in the state of Louisiana, he was given a vaccine, a COVID vaccine, at his high school by Oshner's Medical Center, a mobile unit they had down there, without parental notification and without parental consent, which you can't do in the state of Louisiana. You can't do it in any state, as a matter of fact. If they're underage, they have to have parental consent to inject them. And it's become a big deal. There's a massive lawsuit that is out there between uh, Jennifer Ravane and Oshner Medical Center, which is the biggest hospital chain in the state of Louisiana. Jennifer's going to go on the show with us one day this week. Um, Mr. Maturin, the attorney, is actually here in Shreveport today and tomorrow processing and getting this suit going. What's interesting, he told me that star witnesses on their behalf are going to include Dr. Peter McCullough, who you've heard here on this show. Dr. McCullough is, uh, he's probably one of the smartest medical doctors, practicing medical doctors on planet Earth. He was the president of Baylor Medicine, the whole string of Baylor hospitals throughout Texas. And uh, he is somebody that believes that this is a pushdown by our government regarding everything to do with COVID, that it's been grossly mishandled, and a lot of traditional medications could have solved this problem, and a lot of people have needlessly passed away. Um, He was a proponent and is of ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and some of the other treatments that are non-big pharma treatments, and he lost his job at Baylor uh, Medical Center and at Baylor University, as a matter of fact. I mean, he was at the top of the heap on all those. Well, he's going to be uh, testifying there, and if and when that trial happens, it will happen here, and we will have Dr. McCulloch on live with her from that, not actually from the courtroom, but when he's here in town. But we're going to have Jennifer Ravane on uh, later this week. Maybe my guess is Wednesday or Thursday. Depends on her schedule and the attorney because he's going to be on the show with us as well. Well, Biden did another little tidbit on Saturday. He reversed course. You remember when uh, Peter Ducey last week asked him about giving that $450,000 settlement payment to immigrant families that their families had been separated during the Trump administration immigration process. And the news had been leaked out by the Wall Street Journal, picked up by the New York Times. That number was going to be $450,000. And he scoffed when Peter Ducey, we played you the soundbite here last week, when Ducey asked him about it, and Biden simply said, it's not going to happen. Well, he's changed his tune. Here's what he said Saturday. Whether the boarding crossing was legal or illegal and you lost your child, Biden said, he's gone. You deserve some kind of compensation, no matter what the circumstance. And it was three weeks earlier, three days earlier, excuse me, 
he vehemently rejected the Wall Street Journal's report that the DOJ was going to spend up to $450,000 to each of those migrants, calling it garbage, his words, and not true. If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true, Biden said Wednesday. $450,000 per person, is that what you're saying? That's not going to happen. The Wall Street Journal said the payment was part of a settlement in a lawsuit made by civil rights groups with the scope of the payment bounding to about a billion dollars of taxpayer money. ACLU suggested Biden may not have been fully briefed about the actions of his own Department of Justice. Likewise, on Saturday, he readdressed it. Although he would not oppose the payment, he indeed was defiant about the $450,000 threshold. Nothing's been confirmed about how much the migrants may receive. At least that's what we're told. One source who knows the settlement told a right-wing news agency that the alleged amount was too high and inaccurate. He's always been a staunch critic of his predecessor, Trump. And he's really, he hated Trump's zero-tolerance border policies. To limit and discourage illegal border crossers, remember this, the Trump administration would deport parents back to their countries without their children, who would later be sent to shelters and foster homes. Criminals, such as terrorists, deported killers, drug and human smugglers, would usually exploit lax illegal migrant control to get here, Trump and most Republicans justified. As Biden stepped into the Oval Office, he set out a task force to reunite separated families under Trump. While there had been thousands of such cases, a June report alleged the administration had only reunited seven children. Now let me take you back to the eight years of the Obama and Biden administration. If you Google this, which we did during the weekend, and yeah, I did it in Google just so I could get them all, did Obama-Biden separate illegal immigrant families too? Snopes.com comes up, says absolutely it's false, it didn't happen. Factcheck.org, another far-left fact-check operation, said basically the same thing. But if you look at the facts, you go to government documents, you find out, yep, it happened too. And it happened not because either Obama or Biden or Trump were really evil and wanted to separate these kids. It was taken to federal court and a judge named Torres issued and wrote an opinion and it's called the Torres Rule. And basically it says they cannot hold children for more than 48 hours. They have to be sent somewhere. So what are you going to do? Those kids that were separated, if you'll remember, they were only separated when it could not be proven that the adults that were with them were really their parents or family members that were alleged to be. And the reason for that, as you can well imagine, a huge percentage of those kids that were brought over, especially during the Trump administration at the beginning of this debacle, they weren't parents or family members. They were human traffickers, drug traffickers, sex traffickers. And they were paying these families basically for their kids. Could not 
identify and factually prove these people were who they were saying. And so the Trump administration said, we're not going to let these guys stay with these kids. And the court said, the Torres rule, you got to release these kids. So we're going to give them to the agencies, the NGOs around the nation that specialize in handling these kinds of children, getting them into foster care, or later putting them back together with their families back in Mexico. But at the end of this all, folks, what's at the bottom of it? What's the root? These people on the other side of the gov- uh, on the other side of the border, whether they were parents, whether they were in Mexico or in Central American countries, they made a decision to either bring these kids themselves to the United States illegally or they sent their kids, they were paid money by cartels, by drug smugglers, by human traffickers, by sex traffickers. Their decisions, their choices to commit criminal offenses by sending those kids, in many cases coming with the kids across the border, criminal to step into the United States without having a federal invitation to do so, U.S. federal government invitation, something. They broke the law. They broke the law. Well, what, what, what are you talking about, Dan? All these lawsuits, they were, they're all filing these lawsuits and we're going to have to pay it. We go to court, and all, yada, yada, yada. Folks, they broke the law. They broke the law. The Trump administration followed the Torres rule and did what the federal courts told them to do about those kids. I would not settle one case. I would take every one of them to the fullest extent. And if in a lower district immigration federal court, if you were ruled against you being the federal government, the Department of Justice, it would be defending the federal government. That's what we do. If that judge rules against you, I would take it to federal appeals court. I would appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court. I don't care. It's Yes, it's taxpayer money. But folks, they blow through our money every day in in numbers that we can't even fathom how much waste and unnecessary spending there is. If you think that $1.8 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed by the House of Representatives Friday night is really $1.8 trillion, you've lost your mind. Triple that. And that may be what it is. And it's probably more than that. We were told this morning, Steve Scalise released this over the weekend. We were told this morning only 9% of that bill has to do with infrastructure. Only 9%. (laughs) The other 91% is crap. It's wasteful spending you and I are paying. So in the context of what they're already doing, why would we not for a legitimate United States of America cause, why would we not support pushing it all the way simply because the law says this is the way it's supposed to be done? And these people violated the law 
Why should we be held accountable for what they did? Not for what our government did. Our government was forced to support the rule of law. If you don't like the law, change the law. But it is the law. The federal courts in the nation are supposed to not make law. They are supposed to determine when laws are violated. Immigration law was already in place. Torres confirmed it. That should be the beginning and the end of it. This is craziness. And let me just let me just blow your mind now. You know the $450,000 number. That's going to be paid if it is. That's what this administration has put out there that they're willing to do. $450 a person. Angel families. Who are angel families? Those are the people whose loved ones were killed by some of these illegal aliens. They say that while Biden weighs providing reparation-style payouts to border crossers, illegals, the American victims of open borders receive no compensation for the federal government's failure to simply enforce federal immigration law. Now, this report about the $450,000 claim, it, it, it came out last month. Um, now, they say it's part of a settlement on this. If it happens, attorneys with the DOJ, the Department of Homeland Security and Health and Human Services, are considering this plan that would give each border crosser about 450000 family units, about a million bucks. And they say the total cost to settle it all out will be Roughly $1 billion. Well, angel families with advocates for victims of illegal alien crime, including Don Rosenberg, whose son Drew was killed by an illegal alien in 2010, and Maureen Maloney, whose son Matthew was killed in 2011 by an illegal alien, they detail in an open letter how Biden plans to reward border crossers while American victims of open borders are totally ignored. Just when you thought Biden had reached the pinnacle of absurdity in welcoming illegal aliens into the country and refusing to deport those who once here violated our laws, comes a plan to create millionaires out of over 5,000 illegal alien families. On its face, none of these illegals deserve anything more than a removal back to their country of origin. Paying these families, the letter said, Paying the families anything compared to the amount paid to our fallen soldiers and victims of 9-11 shows how completely devoid of reality is this administration. One group conspicuous in its absence is the victims of illegal alien crime. But unlike these mothers, the victims of illegal alien crime weren't breaking any laws. Rosenberg and Maloney also hit back at the various pro-mass immigration groups representing the border crossers in the case, asking if they have ever considered the pain brought to angel families as a result of illegal immigration. Trina Rilmuto, executive director of the National Immigration Litigation Alliance. She represents five mothers and their children. She said, no amount of money can compensate for the amount of pain and suffering these parents and children endured under the unconscionable and unprecedented policy. Lee Gellerant, a lead negotiator on behalf of the families and deputy director of the American Civil Liberties Union Immigrants' Rights Project said, 
There's no question that the Biden administration is doing the right thing by providing meaningful monetary compensation given that the U.S. government deliberately brutalized these families, including babies and toddlers. There you have both perspectives. It's insane. It's insane. You don't like immigration laws? Hey, change the laws. Until then, the Constitution says you take an oath of office, you take a federal oath of office for a federal position, that oath of office, in it, you make a commitment to enforce the rule of law and the position that you're about to take by jingos. You do it, and if you are refusing to do it because the laws are wrong, in your opinion, novel idea. Just change the laws. How do you change the laws? you got to go to Congress. They're the ones that make the only entity that can make constitutionally or change illegal immigrant laws. Change them. And if you don't change them, you're bound and you should enforce the rules that are there. Uh, this is nuts. I guess you heard about another arrest. John Durham, federal prosecutor that has been, I guess now for almost two years, looking into the sources of the Russia collusion hoax, looking primarily into the Clinton Foundation and Hillary Clinton and others in her organization, her campaign, for being complicit in that, I guess it was, a fake They found nothing. This is the third arrest. Um, In an interview over the weekend, you remember the name John Ratliff? He was a former member of the House of Representatives from Texas. He was, during the Trump administration, named, and he served as a director of national intelligence. He's the one that turned over all of this classified information and documents that had come out during the FBI and the CIA investigations and the Mueller investigation and all of that stuff because those people in the uh, Obama leftovers and the FBI and the CIA, they were doing everything they could to stop this information from getting to the American people. Ratliff turned it all over, but some of it wasn't declassified. But he gave it all to John Durham. And he was on the talk shows this weekend, was Ratliff, and he was saying, we haven't even seen anything yet. This stuff that they have used to bring these people to justice, the three so far arrested, don't even scratch the surface. I gave John Durham over a thousand other uh, documents that have not yet been declassified that I know uh, uh, include intelligence that goes specifically to um, this criminal activity that would be the basis for further indictments. And, you know, again, uh, what happened with the Steele dossier, um, a grand jury is saying was criminal in nature. And I expect that all of the folks um, that are involved uh, with creating it and peddling it falsely uh, would be in, 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 in jeopardy. You know what surprises me about all this? When... Um Merrick Gardland was named and confirmed as attorney general for Joe Biden. I just assumed he was going to immediately fire John Durham, which the Department of Justice is over all federal prosecutors, 
And uh, I just, I thought it was an automatic thing and we'd never know. Nobody would ever get to the bottom of what really went on. The anti-Trump stuff that we know ran rampant uh, behind behind Donald Trump's back, and it was begun by the big holdovers in the Justice Department from the Obama years. Um, I couldn't understand why Merrick Garden, uh, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, said he was going to keep John Durham on and keep him with the budget sufficient to look in and find the final results of this investigation into the Clinton campaign and other wrongdoing that happened uh, that ended up with this massive holocaust, basically, in the Department of Justice under the Trump administration. You just heard John Ratliff. He said he turned over more than a 1,000 additional pages that have not been declassified to Durham. And then we get other reports now that say, confirming Durham There are many, many more, dozens of more indictments from some very high-level, well-known, well-entrenched people that are pending in that investigation. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I'm looking forward to getting to the facts. We labored. We had it thrown in our faces day after day after day for all those years, four years plus. Trump colluded with Russia. Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin helped Donald Trump steal the election from Hillary Clinton. And it just went on and on and on and on. And mainstream media bought in. It was virtually impossible. If we hadn't had Fox News around, we wouldn't have known half of what we do know that actually did happen during the Mueller investigation and all of that stuff that went on there. And I got to be honest with you. I bet you what we do know and what we did find out barely scratches the surface of the realities of what really was going on. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old six cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius. No delicious. No both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry. This is, this is messed up. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Ready, set. ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> on the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money! To win it Oh, a big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts, get set. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. Whoa, fire. It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Victor David Hansen is. Um, he's, a, he's a great conservative writer. He's an author. He's a spokesman for immigration causes. And um, you see him a lot. You hear him a lot on Fox News. He appears as a guest contributor. Well, he has a lot of real good information and real good, simple explanation of what happens in the illegal immigration system as it's been propped up and allowed to happen over the previous years and is happening right now. I thought what we would do is just take a couple of minutes for him to give you the breakdown of what's really going on in this process of allowing so much illegal immigration in the United States. Right now, uh, many Americans have to be vaccinated against the COVID virus or they were not allowed to teach or they're not allowed to work in a hospital. Yet the two million people that are coming across the border, there's no requirement that they be tested or there's no requirement that they be vaccinated. So the United States of all countries in the world at its very founding had the idea that you could become an American if you crossed the borders and you accepted the American idea. So when people came from diverse countries, they had skills, they spoke English, and they came legally. And there was not whole blocks of ethnic caste that had grievances or they had uh, difficulties in assimilation with the majority population. And more importantly, legal immigration was welcome because it kind of reminded Americans that there were people who were very competitive and they wanted this system of free market economics, constitutional government, a bill of rights that was lacking in their home country. What happens when the host itself, i.e. the United States, has lost confidence in its traditions and customs and doesn't feel that it should or has a right or it wouldn't be nice to impose their values on people who are arriving across a border. Then immigration turns from something very desirable and positive to something that can be very pernicious and dangerous. The corporate establishment has been a big advocate of open borders. And it's been very hard to write op-eds for the Wall Street Journal or talk to the Chamber of Commerce because they feel that immigration, even if it's illegal, is very good for their own uh, bottom line. And the Democratic Party said, if you come illegally, we will ensure that you will not be subject to the enforcement of immigration laws. We will provide you with entitlements, but we expect in exchange fealty and loyalty and fidelity at the polls. And it explains right why now we do not enforce immigration law. Because too many parties have too many vested interests and we look at the border and it is a construct. It doesn't exist in reality. People are simply walking across and you have people coming in vast numbers from one direction. They do not speak English. They're not legal. And we the host are not the host 
that we have been from the prior 280 years, but we feel diffident, lack of confidence about our own system. We don't feel we want to impose on our new visitors. We feel it would be cultural appropriation to tell them that this system is better than the one they're leaving. You add all of that up and you have chaos and the erosion of the idea of citizenship. I kind of differ a little bit with what Victor David said there at the end. I don't think that is exactly why this has been allowed to happen. I think it's been allowed to happen because those in power, the ones that have the ability to either not enforce federal immigration laws or make the decisions to enforce them, they saw all of a sudden a way to make their political party have permanent power by not only allowing illegal immigration but encouraging it and then telling all of these illegals, we're going to help you. We're not going to leave you stranded. You're coming here to find a better life, and how heartless would it be for us when you get here to throw you in jail for breaking our laws? Why did they just stop enforcing immigration law that most of them in this administration were part of the process that made and passed these immigration laws? Follow the money, folks. Follow the money. The money either is to beget more power or it's because of more power that they have achieved in some way or another. And they're using you and I. They're using our tax dollars. They're using our support. In fact, they're pushing all this stuff on us, trying to make us feel guilty because we want federal laws, immigration laws enforced, that we'll just let them, oh, it's okay, just let these people come in here. And then they do something a little more egregious. They don't test them for COVID. They don't require any testing. They don't give any vaccines for COVID. They have no idea. We're talking about what we know. Two million people this year, Border Patrol and ICE, have accosted coming across our southern border illegally. How many more came across that they were not accosted. They just slipped in. This administration has no idea how many of those were COVID positive. They have no idea about the other egregious things. When we were talking moments ago about the angel families and all the wrongdoings, did you know that in two years in the state of Texas alone, in two years, 600,000 criminal events were happened, criminal laws were broken in the state of Texas alone by illegals. And those laws that were broken, those illegal act, criminal actions that were perpetrated on Texans ranged from everything from simple theft all the way up to first-degree murder. And that's okay. This administration is okay with that. They accept that. They accept it for what purpose? They don't give a rip about the people that are harmed or hurt. And I can honestly say that is a fact. If it wasn't true, they would have done something to stop this from continuing and holding those that have done it come into the nation criminally, hold them accountable for their illegal activity. But they don't. 
when you find a way, think you should do it or would do it or want to do it, and you find a way to actually do it, and there's no pushback, there's no accountability for your doing it and letting it happen, even when it's a federal law and you're allowing it to be broken again and again and again, and you not only have the authority, you have the responsibility of holding those who break these laws accountable, and you make a decision not to do it the first time, it's kind of like, I don't know if we ought to do this, but I think I'm going to just try it and see what happens. And you do it. You let it happen. There's no accountability. In fact, there are people out there that say it's a great thing that you're doing it. Well, you know, instead of trying to go back and change the laws, doing it the right way, the constitutional way, do it in Congress, you know, the ones that made these original laws. In fact, Barack Obama was in office. Joe Biden was in office. Hillary Clinton was in office. Bill Clinton was in office. When many of these immigration laws were brought forth, they were bills, they were brought to the U.S. Congress, and they were passed. They actually cast votes agreeing with these immigration laws that they are openly allowing to just be ignored at every level in our nation. Regardless of the cost or consequence, there is no cost or consequence to them for allowing it. And look at the rewards that are being given for the perpetrators of these crimes. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to get better unless and until the laws, the rule of law, is gone back to and is being enforced by those who have the responsibility and the sole power to enforce the laws. And that is the federal government, folks. According to the U.S. Constitution, immigration laws are 100% the responsibility of the federal government. And if they don't do it, Who else has the authority? And the answer, the simple answer is no one else does. So we talked a bit in the beginning of the show this morning about the energy stuff that we're dealing with, the cost of gasoline, the cost of transportation, everything, inflation's going through the roof. Well, guess what in this energy crisis thing? Guess what else is happening right now? The Biden administration is contemplating the potential market consequences of their shutting down another oil pipeline, this one in Michigan. You know, our Secretary of uh, Energy is former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm. She predicted yesterday that heating prices are going to rise this winter regardless of the Biden administration's decision on this pipeline. Yeah, this is going to happen, she said. It'll be more expensive this year than last year, and she just kind of blew it off. So the administration has yet to decide or they've not announced a decision on what to do with what's called Line 5. And officials were gathering information to present a clear picture of that situation. That's what's going on now. Due diligence. Line 5, just so you know, it's part of a network that moves crude oil and other petroleum products from Western Canada. And it's pretty significant. 540,000 barrels every day. Petroleum is taken from the pipeline in Escanaba, Michigan. 
Jason Hayes, the Director of Environmental Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy in Michigan, blasted the Biden folks for its energy policies, saying that their work on Line 5 is just one more example of being divorced from reality. They're planning to power an industrial nation like the U.S. on solar panels and wind turbines, he said, while noting that even the solar panels and wind turbines require oil, natural gas, nuclear, and even coal to be produced. Hayes presented a dire picture of what shutting Line 5 could mean if people are unable to get natural gas or the electricity it provides today as the nation, not just Michigan, but the nation heads into winter. He said, I hope it doesn't end like this, but where our sea is going is unfortunately the same thing that happened in February in Texas, people freezing in their homes. Most of the time when it's extremely cold or there's a real bad polar vortex situation, typically it's pretty cloudy and there's not a lot of wind. Explaining he has trouble understanding why some Western leaders seem unable to grasp the importance of reliable, affordable energy and electricity for everyday citizens, Hayes said, it seems like the only nations that understand that we require reliable, affordable, dispatchable energy are China and Russia. They're the only ones that are producing energy, and they're more than happy to hold that energy hostage for the rest of us. The Biden administration's move on Line 5 has drawn criticism from pretty much every Republican lawmaker in Congress, more than a dozen of whom sent a letter to Biden November 4th warning against this move. Representative Bob Lotta of Ohio, Republican, wrote, As we enter the winter months, temperatures drop across the Midwest. The termination of Line 5 will undoubtedly further exacerbate shortages in price increases in home heating fuels like natural gas and propane at a time when Americans are already facing rapidly rising energy prices, steep home heating costs, global supply shortages, and skyrocketing gas prices. Facts don't matter to this president, folks. He doesn't do his own investigation. He can't figure it out on his own, so he just listens to whoever's talking into that earpiece that he occasionally sticks in his ear. That's it for the day, folks. Thank you so much for joining us here at TNN Live. We're back tomorrow, one day this week, Jennifer Ravane, not Mama, Mad Mama from New Orleans for her 16-year-old getting jabbed to COVID vax without her approval. See you tomorrow. Till then, have a great Monday. Back first thing, 9 o'clock tomorrow. A shadow across the blue Miami sky As we hit the causeway by the big hotels We fought, now I can't remember why After all the words were said and tears were gone We vowed we'd never say goodbye
Happy day!